Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn move related show on the planet Earth, the John Campy Show. Coming from right here on my YouTube channel, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, John Campy, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies and movie news, TV and streaming, and all sorts of good stuff. Sitting over here is Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. <laughs> Sitting over there is Ray Ora. Right beside them, we got Taylor Gonzalez and Jonathan Boyko. And beside them, of course, is our very own America's Sweetheart Bear, Chris Carr. And uh, it is good to have you guys here today, and we are so glad you decided to join us. And here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to talk about a few topics, and we're going to go into some live questions a little bit later. We'll talk all about that once we get to it, but we do have a bunch of things to get to, so we're going to start off with this. You know, one of the movies that's coming out in March, they're all very excited about, at least a lot of people are very excited about, is the third installment of the Creed franchise, Creed 3. Yes. Now, there, it's, got, it's not without its... Uh, it's controversy, if you will. Sylvester Stallone is now not so subtly really hating on this film. And yeah. there's, a, there's obviously a very, very big gap that's broken. And of course, being a Sylvester Stallone fan, I I kind of feel a little bit guilty that I'm looking forward to Creed 3. But looking forward to Creed 3, I am nonetheless. And well, while the reactions came out a little bit earlier, we now have the reviews. The review embargo has lifted for Creed 3. And as of right now, Creed 3 is holding an 88% on Rotten Tomatoes uh, at this moment, and which is not bad. Actually, it's pretty damn good. Now, the general consensus seems to be that the movie is quite solid, not the best of the franchise. That, that tends to be what most of us are hearing. Now, there's a few that think it's the best, a few that think it's the worst, but overall speaking, they're saying the reviews are pretty much... Um, you know, it's solid, but not the best one they've had. And let's increase the size of that image there on your screen, Jonathan, just so I can uh, read it a little bit off the screen here. Um, there we go. It says, while Creed 3 is no match, uh, this is coming from uh, Multiviews, who writes, oh, Mulviews, who writes, while Creed 3, move it a bit to the uh, the left there. Yeah. Just gonna... While yeah. Creed 3 is no match for the initial film that started it all, it's still a smart, competent sequel that once again sees Adonis Creed forging his own legacy outside of the shadows of his father uh, and, of course, Rocky Balboa. Uh, our friend Edward Douglas writes, every bit as relevant and uh, distinctly Jordans as the original Rocky was to Stallone. Uh, the pop break writes, and while Creed 3 is certainly operatic in scale, it succeeds because it's groomed in character dynamics. Um, and, and then it goes on and on. So basically, the general consensus and feel of the movie is that it's really good. It's yeah. solid. Not the best in the franchise yet. But I'm hearing, again, good things about Jonathan Majors and, of course, Michael B. Jordan playing the role has always been good. Anyway, Rob, you've been hearing the reviews. Are they what you expected? Where's your anticipation level like for this movie? What do you think? I'm excited. For this movie i mean i i really loved the first creed and i liked creed too you know and and i'm a rocky franchise fan uh, i've enjoyed all the movies with maybe the exception of rocky five but but i'm really excited to see it's michael b jordan's directorial debut and i've heard him speak a lot on the late night talk show circuit recently and i and i've seen some he was influenced by anime for the fight scenes yes. and there's a lot of like anime type I don't know, Dragon Ball Z close-ups and stuff. And I kind of want to see that. I just, I, these two guys are perfectly cast and perfectly matched. 
I mean, Jonathan Majors is just a ferocious force of nature. At least he is in these trailers. And I, I when he opens up the whoop ass in the ring, I can't wait to see this because I think this fight, he's just, I mean, he's just a presence that gets you. And it's funny because he's the villain in this. He's he's Kang. He's got that new movie, uh, Magazine Dreams, about weightlifting, bodybuilders. Right. He's in that. I loved Devotion. Mm-hmm. I really, you yeah, know, I got that you did with Glenn Powell. I, I really like Devotion. I just really like him as a performer. So I'm really excited to see this film. And um, the fact that it's getting these positive notices, I'm, I'm it's op- it opens next week. Yep. Or, like, or officially, officially March 2nd is the official release date, but it's doing an early screening. Anyway, Chris, where's your anticipation level been like for Creed 3? And what do you think of the reviews that were coming out? Are they right around where you thought they would be? Are they better than you thought, worse than you thought? What do you think? No, I mean, they're pretty much on the mark for me. What I've loved seeing is, hey, we all know what this story is going to be. But Michael B. Jordan's directorial debut here takes you on a journey, though, that does make it feel a little less expected, right? Where you actually are there, you feel very present, you feel the stakes of everything, even though it's kind of, you know, telegraphed from where it's going to go. I'm really excited to see these kind of anime style things. Michael B. Jordan is a huge anime fan. So that is the thing I'm so excited about of seeing how that is influenced. I really want to see the Taku experience break down the fights and see how all of that kind of like is mirrored in shows and everything. But I, I just think that he's really got a really, really great film under him and people seem to be responding to it fairly well. So I'm excited to see it. If him and Drago's son at some point at the end of the ninth oh, okay. round, Don't do it. touch fingers together oh, and decide boy. they have to merge into oh, one boy. being to fight Jonathan Majors. I mean, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm here for it. Uh, right uh, me me too. Come on, man. Actually, I got to ask Ray, because nobody in this room is looking forward to Creed 3 more than Ray is. So I don't know, Ray. You, Are you, you sure you want to ask me right now, John? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> do you like what you're hearing about, uh, about Creed 3? All right, I'm going to try to do this seriously. Um, <laughs> the anime again. thing kind of scares me. But there was a boxing anime that I really did like. It was called Hajime no Ibo. And uh, if it takes from there, like, then I would have no problem with it. I got to see it. We're, we're going to go see it on Monday for the premiere. Or, or we're getting a little screen. Yeah, right? we're, going, we're going to that early screen on I'm Monday. I'm very excited to see it. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give the review the next day of it or what we think, right? So, yeah. All right, guys, the question is for you. What do you think about this? Have you been looking forward to Creed 3? Are, are you one of the people that maybe is like, hey, listen, I'm a Stallone guy. Stallone is is the Rocky franchise. If this don't have Stallone, I don't want to watch it. Or, or whatever. Do you like the reviews you're hearing? Do you not like them? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, that down. Let's stay on the topic of movie reviews because another movie's come out called Cocaine Bear. Woo! The cocainiest of all the bears, Cocaine Bear is now out and in theaters. Uh, we had a chance to go see it last night, and uh, we should probably talk about it a little bit here. And listen, I'll be the first one out of the gate. I have been very, very excited for this movie. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Elizabeth Banks, although admittedly, I I have been disappointed with her efforts as a director up to this point. I didn't think she did a great job on pitch on her Pitch Perfect film. She didn't do the first one. Uh, I did not like what she did with Charlie's Angels, although there was some interesting ideas in there. And so the trailer, though, for Cocaine Bear has been bonkers. I mean, based loosely based on a true story and all that kind of stuff. I've been very excited to go. Went to go see it yesterday. And, um, well, the 100% rating it had while we were doing the show yesterday, it has now dropped to 70, which is still a good score. 70 is still, hey, that means a good solid majority of, of the critics who are watching it like it. 
Uh, the audience scores right now sit a little bit above that at 80. I mean, so there you go. I am very on the fence about this movie, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, let, let me put it this way. Every, the parts of this movie that I was really looking forward to in a movie called Cocaine Bear, I liked. You know, we saw in the trailer that one shot of the bear chasing after the ambulance. That scene, that whole scene and sequence, by the end of the year, it's going to be on my top 10 favorite sequences of the year list. I, I loved it. And there are definitely moments in the movie that really play into that. And I don't know, Taylor, if you can look up what the budget of this movie was, see if you can find a number on that, because I, I got to assume the budget was fairly low when you look at it. Uh, very, very few people in the movie and all that, kind. although some recognizable faces. There is a surprising lack of bear in a movie called Cocaine Bear, but that probably has a lot more to do with the budget mm -hmm. uh, yeah. than anything else. But there's not a lot of bear. And whenever the bear is not on screen, other than one scene that happens in a bathroom, I think the movie's actually quite poor. Like, if you remove what little bear is in the movie and you just rely on the other 80% of the movie, the rest of the 80% of the movie is actually not very good. Uh, again, aside from what Shay Jackson about, what did you find out there, Taylor? So according to Variety, Cocaine Bear has a roughly $35 million budget, but I don't know how accurate that is with the amount of coke in there. But, yeah, I'm sure it's all legitimate. She, <laughs> Elizabeth Banks wanted it to feel as real as possible. She had pure Colombian cocaine in there. And listen, the I knew guys right were now, in their truck. 34 million of that was the bear. 34 million out of that 35 million was the bear. Uh, and, and that that kind of explains why there's not a lot of it. But as excited as I was for it, as a as big of a Elizabeth Banks fan as I am, uh, that was all Naren Reich in there. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Love him. He was, he was great. great. Saw some uh I've have seen Ray Liotta on screen one last time. That little great. kid. O'Shea Jackson. The little girl, the little no, boy. No, 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 the, the little, little boy. boy. Yeah. The twang boy was like one of the best. He was actually really funny. Yeah. But again, for the most part, uh, everything with the bear was great. But the bear's in about 20% of the movie. And outside of that, it, it just didn't really work for me quite as well. Now, I believe we're going to get a different perspective. We did not talk about it. But considering her attire today... I'm guessing, Chris, maybe you liked it a little bit more than I did. What did you think about Cocaine Bear? I had so much fun at Cocaine Bear. <laughs> I also think, too, like movies, a lot of times, it depends on who you go to see it with. Yeah. Me and my friends got in bear onesies, and we were ridiculous, and we got free posters from Regal because of it. And we had a blast. Our audience, too, was super, super into it as well. I had a great time. I actually <laughs> could have stood it being a little gorier. Um, I feel like we could have cranked that up a little bit, but I thought it was so fun. I thought it was delightfully campy. I can't wait for this to become a midnight viewing kind of thing where you get to yell back at the screen and everything. I thought this was hysterical. There are going to be so many cocaine bear and cocaine bear character costumes this Halloween. I guarantee it. I, I do today. not believe you're right. <laughs> Ray, you saw it with me. What did you think of cocaine bear? It kind of reminds me of the first Godzilla. He found it inspiring. No, no. <laughs> kind of reminds me of the first Godzilla. I just wanted a little bit more bear. Like, I wanted its presence, even if you don't see it. I wanted to feel its presence throughout the film. And there's some parts where it's like, that bear's nowhere near this, this scene. Like, I want, I just want that feeling of like, because anytime the bear, or at least when I thought the bear was around, the feeling I had, like, I was like this, like this. The whole time, like, thing that yeah. I was like, oh, I want that throughout the whole movie. And it would have been perfect. Like, the, the duration of the movie, 
what one hour 30 that's already yeah six right out, around 90 minutes that's already six out of ten that's the the lowest they'll go from the get-go i'll give it like a 7.5 out of 10 just for the the actual idea of a cocaine bear is crazy to me if this movie didn't come out i would have never known about the story at all so I just, like i give that a 7.5 out of that right? i just so. want it to be known that you owe me a bindles worth of fine peruvian flake and i'm gonna teach you how to manage those fatty rails when the show's over because <laughs> what did you do to your face come on you, man. you didn't get out to see it last night did you no i did not okay i did not so I, I didn't think you did yeah so i listen uh guys i i wanted to love it the parts in there that i was looking forward to totally worked and i had a blast and again if you have not seen it's worth going to see it just for the entire drawn out ambulance sequence because that sequence is baller fun uh i i just thought the rest left a lot to be desired but hey listen chris had a really good time i think the majority of people at least like the film i think it's something you should at least check out yourself questions for you guys what do you think did you have a chance to see it? did you like it were you disappointed by it did you love it whatever you guys think jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts all right guys with that down Let's move on to this, shall we? And that is this. Now, one of the big shows on television right now is obviously Succession. I mean, for a lot of people, I think Yellowstone has been the best show on TV. Right now, I think it's The Last of Us. But for a lot of people, Succession has kind of been the standard of television excellence the last couple of years. And we've got the new season coming out here pretty, pretty quick. Season four is coming with a shocking announcement because according to reports... It is now being said that the showrunners confirmed that Succession, this is it. They just came out of nowhere. They didn't, normally shows will say, hey, season five, the next one is going to be the last one. Nope, they just came out and said, this season that's about to start, this is the last one. Now, the showrunner is quoted in it talking about how, you know what, it just felt like this was the end of the run. It just felt like this was it. This this was the ending of the story. We're good. And uh, Taylor, can you go? it's, it's just the door it's just yeah. the door yeah uh, we're good everything's fine you know but all of a sudden it's just like boom it kind of came out of nowhere you know what i mean and i think that's the surprising thing about it and so i don't know chris you hear about this normally when we're gonna get a final season mm -hmm. unless it's a show that struggles in its ratings and then it's no surprise then it's kind of like the news comes to the show that you know everything's canceled or whatever but this is a show that's kind of at the height of its powers at the height of its popularity a lot of people looking forward to it were you surprised to hear that they're gonna end it after the fourth season no because i think they want to go out on a high right i think a lot of times particularly with american television we run shows into the ground gosh this hat does not want to stay on me come on bear there we go oh and i flung the cocaine uh you know we run things into the ground we stay on a show for seasons and seasons and seasons we'll get into a 10th season or something and people aren't talking about it anymore and it's not a zeitgeist show and it's not what it used to be this show is phenomenal and i think it's really smart to go out when everyone is still talking about it when all the scripts are still great and tight when all the acting is still very very wonderful because also i'm sure these actors too after being on this show for a while probably want to pursue other things we're seeing more of these guys pop up in movies and everything again so i'm sure they all want to kind of end these contracts too but still have the show have its integrity when they leave so it makes sense to me and i love that hbo does this honestly i love that they do like a quick few seasons of something like under five i think that's the way to go for most of it Rob, I mean, we were just talking the other day that apparently there's some even some drama between the cast where we had Brian Cox calling Strong's uh, acting style fucking annoying. Yeah. Uh, and all this kind of stuff. And do, do you think that has anything to do with it? Or do you think it's like Chris said, hey, this is, this is the operating procedure for HBO. 
kill it with their show and when it's time to end it just end it and don't stretch it out what do you yeah think? i mean i agree with chris i think the here's the thing about this show is it's essentially one story of that logan roy is battling his children for succession just like the title and and there's only so long you can draw that out someone has to be the victor and i'm sure however it's going to end it's going to be mean and nasty and bittersweet and there's going to be lots of personal emotional carnage at the end uh and i think it's great that they because you know you don't want it to overstay its welcome that's the worst when you're watching a show that's like ah they should have ended it and then they push it i like the idea and hbo is the perfect network they're like okay if you don't have any more story to tell you guys the creators i we'd rather have the show go out on top because hbo very few hbo shows do you ever think yeah those final seasons kind of sucked you know they always go out in high notes I remember when the wire was over, I the the final montage at the end of episode, the last episode of season five of the wire was like perfect, mm. and I loved it. I'm like I didn't want it to go, but I'm like, it was time, and they made sure that it was it ended well. And I I think it's important. I mean, all my favorite HBO shows, Oz I loved because Oz was like a journey. When it ended, I didn't want it to end, but it was good. The one show I always wanted them to end, they never did, was Arliss. That show oh, went on. right, yeah. What the hell was that show? What? Come on. How many How many more seasons? Not a lot of people watched it, though. No, I, I know, but man, I wanted that show gone. But I think it's good. Succession has been one of the most entertaining, most well-acted. I love this show, and I'll be sorry to see it go, but if they give us a banger fourth season, and it's great, and it ends well, and I think it probably will end well, I am really looking forward to this season. All right, guys, the question is for you. What do you think about this? Succession, one of the most successful shows on television right now, certainly one of the most award-laden shows on television right now, is going to have its final season this season. This is it. The new season that's about to start season four is going to be its finale. Do you think they're ending it too quickly? Do you think, wow, they're ending it perfectly? Maybe you don't watch the show at all. Whatever you guys think, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to the next story here, shall we? We're getting into the realm of Spider-Man a little bit. Now, of course, I think one of the singular best comic book movies of the last bunch of years is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It came out in a year that Black Panther came out and then Infinity War came out. And I don't care if you like this or not, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was the best comic book movie that year. It wasn't just the best animated film that year. It was the best comic book movie that year. And maybe... It's a battle between it and Spider-Man 2, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2, for the best Spider-Man film of all time. It's incredible. And we've been really excited about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which is coming out at CinemaCon last year. They showed us a good 15-some-odd some minutes of it, even though a lot of it wasn't finished. Some of it was like pencil sketch animation, but they were showing it to us anyway. Well, we've seen in the little teasers that there's a lot of multidimensional Spider-Men in this, a hell of a lot of them. And there's a new report coming out that suggests one of the different dimensional Spider-Men in this movie may actually be Tom Holland himself. Now, what's where this story is coming from is that uh, Jeff Snyder, who we've been quoting a bunch lately, he's been coming out with a bunch of stuff. Most, a lot of the stuff he's been coming out with has turned out to be quite accurate. But he is saying, now he is not confirming this. He's just saying he is hearing that one of the reasons that Spider-Man Across Spider-Verse has been delayed a little bit was so they could get Miles Morales 
to actually in one of the dimensions he goes to is a live action dimension. Not unlike, what was it, an episode of The Simpsons that did that once? Where Homer ended up in the real world or something like that? Anyway, where Miles shows up in a real live action thing and it's Tom Holland's Spider-Man he comes across. Now, I don't believe it. And, and I don't believe it for two reasons. One, setting up a day for Tom Holland to shoot uh, a scene in live action, you don't need to delay a film for that. Like, you, you don't, like if they're making Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse, like, and by the way, I 100% believe that Jeff Snyder was told this. I, I don't doubt that at all, but I don't believe the information he was told. Um, because I can't think of a single possible reason why production on a movie, let alone an animated movie, needs to be held up because how does getting an actor to show up for a day on a set to shoot something somewhere that you could do any time over the course of a year and a half or two years, I don't see how that would impact or affect the production of their movie whatsoever. So because of that one detail that he was told, that production, the reason that Across the Spider-Verse was partially delayed was because they had to get this Tom Holland thing shot. Because that detail was in there, I don't buy it. Like if the story was just, I'm hearing that one of the dimensions he goes to, he runs into a live action Tom Holland. I I would actually believe that that because that would be very very easy to do. Sony could pull that off easily enough. I I wouldn't see. And if it's just a quick cameo, it doesn't really throw any of their story or anything into any kind of chaos. But just because it has that one detail of the movie was held up because of some like nah, I'm I'm checking out of it. So mark me down as somebody who does not believe this one. Anyway, Rob. You hear this? Is it a good idea? Do you believe it? What do you think? Well, I like the idea. I mean, I think, you know, I love the one sheet for this. That's got all the Spider-Men on it. Oh, that's great. I, it's great. I love that one. I haven't seen a one sheet I loved as much as that one in a very long time. But the idea of, look, I'm sure animated films take time. So the reason it was delayed or whatever could be because they want to make it better. Or they've, you know, they rework scenes. They found out that when they watched it, like, oh, we're going to change this. I mean, animation can be very iterative if it needs to be. Now, I could believe that during during one of those times, they have an opportunity that arose to get Tom Holland. And there was already probably a delay, but the story becomes, oh, they delayed the movie because of Tom Holland. I don't think that's true because, John, they could, the animated movie, you could film Tom Holland anywhere. You know, if he wants to like walk down the street to Pinewood, wherever he lives with his family, I don't know where he lives, but it, he could drive there and they could shoot him against a green screen, you know, and comp in. I mean, what is this? I don't know what the scene is, but I don't think they would have to delay the movie because of that. I think the movie was delayed because they're making it better. And they, they've, I think two stories got conflated into one, but I, be, I believe that they have a live action scene. I believe that Tom Holland could be in the movie. I just don't think it's because it was delayed for that reason. Chris, do you think it's a, a good idea to try to pull off a live Tom Holland appearance in it? And do you believe the story that this is what's going to happen? Yes and yes. Because I think it's great to include him. If you're going to have all Spider-Man, have all Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. Do it, right? And also, I'm sure it wasn't, hey, it's hard for us to figure out scheduling or filming. I think contracts are what would make this have a delay. Figuring out 
if this is going to be part of a new picture deal with Tom being Peter, being Spider-Man. But my and all question, I could see that delaying them shooting Tom Holland's cameo. Mm -hmm. How does that delay the movie? Because they don't they don't need to stop production on the movie waiting for Tom Holland to shoot a cameo. I feel like it's semantics. I feel like they're having a thing that's gonna go in the movie. You can't mm -hmm. finish it if you're missing a scene. So that's, I think, the delay. And I think to Rob's point, too, they're probably polishing some stuff up, tightening some things, seeing how people reacted within their own studio and seeing what they can make better so they can have a really great follow-up to this. But I do think that there could be a little bit of a delay just because of those legal issues. And did he, did he specifically say partially the reason? So it could just be in that and a whole bunch of other factors. Yeah. I also think it's an opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> it's cocaine, bro. You know, speaking to what you <laughs> said, this is interesting in the sense that because uh, I had read when when no, Spider-Man No Way Home was done, Tom Holland had said his contract had ended. Yep. Like the, he yeah, had he no. He said a lot of things. Yeah, but 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 part of it was because th th then he could go skiing and do things he wanted to do because while he's under contract, he can't do anything dangerous that might hurt him but i could see that that he didn't have a contract they were probably doing those negotiations and they came up with the idea in the movie what if like it wasn't ever going to happen and they came up with it late in the game and like what if we could put tom holland in this movie and and so that's awesome like almost at the 11th hour and that's how come they might call it delayed yeah because i could see that that could have been a new idea it wasn't something that they were planning on and then this opportunity arose and like this would be great let's do it well it would create a great pop in the audience oh my God. you're sitting there watching this movie and all of a sudden a live action tom holland pops up that would create a huge pop also one last thing remember what we saw at CinemaCon, right last year yeah John? it was he they said the first 15 minutes and even that wasn't complete if this movie is going to be like two hours two and a half hours yeah that's a long way to go yeah, I, and there's I, a I, lot of bonkers. Yeah, I'm in surprised there. that it's coming out this year, to be honest. Especially with all those various animation styles, too, because a lot of them are taking different styles, different ways that you execute the animation. Yeah. It's not all just CGI. I mean, it's a lot of stuff to do. And this is one of two movies. This movie's split mm -hmm. into two. Did they can't change wait. that? They, oh, yeah. they changed the titles to one is now across the Spider Verse yeah. and one is now. Uh, beyond through, beyond the spider verse like i that? can't remember well, yeah, could yeah. that that's what i was going to say because you're saying beyond so could it could he be coming in for like a post credit scene that ties into number three it's possible oh. i mean i doubt you're going to see a live i don't think we're going to see a who framed roger rabbit mix a full movie of, of miles morales and tom holland spider-man yeah. i think probably it's gonna be a quick cameo but who knows listen guys the possibilities are endless question is for you what do you think about this Number one, would you like the idea of a Tom Holland live action popping up in a cameo in Across the Spider-Verse? Number two, do you believe it's actually going to happen? Whatever you guys think, jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, let's stick on the topic of Spider-Man here for a second as we go over to our Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. If you guys have a question for the show and like to hear your voice on our show, go ahead and call our number. That's actually Ryan Reynolds' personal cell phone number. It's not really. 951-268-4259. Call in your question, and uh, we're talking about Spider-Man. Check it out. Hey, John and friends. Greg from Michigan here. With Spider-Man 4 in the early planning stages, as you have reported on the show, and the fact that you've also talked about how Spider-Man could be the leader of the Avengers, or at least part of the team, do you think we see Tom Holland's Spider-Man pop up in any of the upcoming MCU slate, like a Captain America, Thunderbolt, etc.? Thanks. Bring on the filthy. All right, Greg, thanks a lot for calling that in. And yeah, listen, now Spider-Man is one of the MCU characters out there. 
MCU has a long tradition of having their various characters float in and out of other people's movies and projects and things like that. So having, I mean, if Tom Holland might be popping up live action in a Cross the Spider-Verse animated movie, why not the other ones? Okay, so I thought it'd be fun. Let's do a quick run through here of the movies and the TV shows coming out prior to Kang Dynasty and see what could be the possibilities here. Okay, so Secret Invasion. I don't, He's not going to pop up in no. Secret Invasion. So we, we can say that. Loki season two, I don't see any reason. It would feel really shoehorned and forced to have him pop up in Loki season two. I don't see. So now we get into some real stuff. The Marvels. Now, Marvels takes place off-world, but a lot of it could still take place on-world. I got to say the idea of, you know, Ms. Marvel and Spider-Man interacting, pretty cool. Rob, thumbs up or thumbs down that we'll see Spider-Man in the Marvels? No. Okay, Chris? Maybe. I mean, it's just a hop, skip, and a jump from Jersey. You know, if we're popping over there. That 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 was one of my other yeah. thoughts as well. Okay, so we'll got, we've got two maybes and a no. All right. X-Men 97, obviously. He wasn't even he born. He wasn't even born. That's not, what if we can just put aside, that's just animated, they can do whatever. Echo. Um, Echo is an interesting thing. Now, I could say this, depending on when Echo comes out, because right now we have no idea. It's It's been pulled off of its original release date. We don't know when for sure it's coming out. But if it's setting up something in Daredevil born again, then that's maybe something that they could touch on. But I'm going to go no, he won't pop up in Echo. Rob? Probably not, because they have to establish Echo as her own character. Yeah, without doing a lot of distraction. Yeah. All right, Chris? I don't think so. We've already got all the Daredevil folks in there. Okay. Well, now we get into Ironheart, um, which is an interesting thing. We're talking about a character that has some similarities to a Peter Parker, young college-age person, super intelligent, into science. Um, both use Iron Man Jr. outfits, uh, although Spider-Man no longer does. I There is some natural connection there, but I'm going to say no on Ironheart. What about you, Rob? I think no, too. I'm going no on Ironheart. All because, right. again, they have to establish this character. Yep. You know? Yeah, because she's coming out, out of somebody else's movie. Yeah. they got to get her grounded. But, but, but to paint devil's advocate for a second, when Spider-Man, Tom Holland's Spider-Man, had his first movie... They didn't just let him get grounded because it was co-starring Iron Man, right? So, I mean, maybe, I mean, I agree with you. I don't think he's, he's going to pop up in Ironheart, but I mean, maybe we're overplaying the idea that they need to establish it because they d did the opposite in Spider-Man, the first one. Anyway, I don't know. Chris, what do you think? I think there's the potential for Peter to show up in there. Ooh. Not Spider-Man, okay. but Peter. And I think people need to start knowing Peter Parker. And I think that's a really, really great way to do that. That's interesting. I'd buy that. Okay, next one up is Agatha, Coven of Chaos, which, of course, just got pulled off of its release date. We don't know when that's coming out now. I, I say this one, 0% chance, Rob. I agree, zero. Okay, and Chris? Absolutely not. Okay, no chance. This is this is not a fit there. All right, now we get into an interesting one here. With Daredevil Born Again, uh, which is, do we have my screen available? Or is the thing gone off? There it is. Daredevil Born Again Coming in spring of 2024 now is when they're saying it. Now, this is one a lot of people have been saying they would like to have. They're, they're, a lot of the fans are saying they would love to see Spider-Man and Daredevil. While I respect that, I don't see them using any appearances in Tom Holland's contract for a Disney Plus show. I, I just, while it would be a really neat match to see, I do not think they're going to use Spider-Man and Daredevil Born Again. Rob, what do you think? I don't think so at all again 
the storyline daredevil has crossed over with spider-man many times in the comics but i don't think in this if they're gonna skew more towards the actual born again storyline which you know they always change it up but i just don't think spider-man has a place in that storyline chris to rob's point i don't think Spider-Man we know can exist in that very gritty world right now if they go that route. However, same with the kind of Marvel situation. I like the idea of Spider-Man being a friendly neighborhood fighter again. And I think it would make sense for somebody to meet another fighter from a, a different borough. So I think there's room there. Okay. Next up, we've got Captain America, the New World Order with Sam Wilson. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the big, one of the probably the greatest action sequence in comic book movie history, the airport fight scene in Civil War. We had Bucky and Sam fighting Spider-Man in that there. I mean, we've got a, a new Captain America. I, you know what? This, to me, has one of the biggest potentials. I think there's a very natural fit in there for something like this. Um, I'm going to say it's a coin toss that Spider-Man pops up in Captain America, uh, New World Order, because they're going to look for... To, Marvel, I believe, is going to be looking to give Anthony Mackie's Sam Wilson a bump. And I think a popular character like a Spider-Man popping in could help, much like them having Iron Man pop up in Spider-Man. So out of any on the list, I think this has the biggest chance. Anyway, Rob, what do you think? Well, it could, but I, I see this as being more of a Captain America Winter Soldier movie. I would imagine that it's going to be serious dealing with politics and maybe and uh, i don't it, it really depends like i don't have a sense to me i would skew the other way and say probably not only because it sounds to me with president ross being thunderbolt ross being president that they've got a lot this is going to be a very serious minded movie and the, my problem with the spider-man appearance it's lighthearted. it's inherently lighthearted because of the kind of character spider-man is and if they're going in more of the 70s political thriller route and if you look at the three previous Iron Man, I mean, uh, Captain America movies. I know Spider-Man was in Civil War, but that worked because there was all these other characters in Civil War. I think uh, New World Order is going to be a very serious movie. No, now, No Way Home, we saw Peter get pretty damn serious a few times. No, it's true. It's true, but, but within the context of his own life. Okay. So, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe. I just don't have a sense of what New World Order is one way yeah. or another. Yeah, it's way. hard to say because like I, with you, I liked when Spider-Man interacted with all those characters. And I liked, you know, but it, if New World Order is more of a winter soldier than it is, I don't know if there would be a place for him in that kind of movie. Chris, what do you think? A possibility for Spider-Man in a Captain America New World Order? I can see it making sense because I do feel like ultimately they're going to position Sam and Peter in those kind of Tony and, uh, and Steve roles and have them at the forefront of the Avengers. But I think Sam has spent so much time sharing the spotlight, even in his own show, that he really needs to have his own film. Because I think right now, we still don't even see him as Captain America. We still see him as the Falcon or the guy trying to be Captain America, since that's what the show was entirely about, was like earning that mantle, feeling comfortable in that mantle. I think he needs to be center stage, and I think a cameo or having Peter have a significant role in there would really muddle that. So I don't uh, to, see to him To that there. point, Anthony Mackie just did an interview where he kind of hinted at that he doesn't think Sebastian Stan is going to be in Captain America 4. He says he hasn't read a script yet, but he doesn't think Sebastian Stan is going to be in Captain America yeah. 4. So that goes right to your point. Which leads us, speaking of Bucky, into a movie I am really starting to get quite excited about, actually, which is Thunderbolts. Of course, Bucky is in that. We're going to have a lot of characters in there. There could be room for... Like, I, I go back to the first Ant-Man movie where Falcon made an appearance. 
right? I could sort of see maybe a Spider-Man kind of appearance like that. Uh, again, I, I wouldn't put big money on it. Actually, I would say I don't think Spider-Man is going to pop up in there, but there certainly is some room in there for it, Rob. Maybe, uh, again, I think with this team, with the Thunderbolts team, you're going to be concentrating on that team dynamic and building what that is. And if you bring in a hero that's not part of that team, I think it distracts. But again, I don't know. Maybe they go to Spider-Man and try and recruit him. And he says no. Mm. You know, kind of like Wolverine in X-Men First Class. Oh, that scene is so good. You know, I could see that happening, but I'll talk more about that when we get two more down. Yeah. Chris, what do you think? Thunderbolts with Spider-Man in it. I feel like it's already overstuffed, especially we're talking about some casting news in a little while, too. I think yep. adding Spider-Man to the mix, it's too many people. Okay. Next up, Blade. I, I give this one a zero. Uh, not, not, not because it's a new character he's got to establish. Again, we've seen Marvel do that, but because I... I don't see anything now. Well, John, in the comics, there's a. I, I understand that, but in the MCU, I just don't see a matchup here. Rob, no, just zero. No. <laughs> like you, zero Chris? chance. I loved when Blade was in the animated Spider-Man series, and I would absolutely kill for a. Well, gosh, I don't know, Mister Vampire Hunter, sir, but I don't think it's going to happen. Now, to be you know, for people say, well, Blades are, of course, you get well. Remember, Blade's not going to be R in the MCU, so I'm sure it's be more edgy than most of the stuff they do. All right. Well, this is one that I think is, might be at the top of a lot of people's list as far as possibilities. I think the one they really want to see is him cross over with Daredevil, but I think a lot of people are going to see the possibilities here for Deadpool 3. Deadpool 3 is clearly a multi-reality romp, uh, and so the possibility of Peter in that, I just think this thing is already... Now, look, Patrick Stewart has more than implied that Professor X is going to be in this thing, He's also kind of dropped little hints that we could see Ian McKellen's Magneto in there. Obviously, the two big stars are going to be Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman. Is there room for a Spider-Man to pop up? And remember, we're not talking about main characters here. We're even talking in small cameos. Do you think there's room for a Spider-Man to pop up? I there? think we're going to see all three Spider-Man in this movie. Oh, I do. I think that Ryan Reynolds is whatever the whatever Ryan Reynolds dreams up, he's going to go make happen because this movie's going to be uh, whatever it's going to be. It's going to be out of control bonkers and i think that even if it's just one scene or something even if he kills all three spider-men i don't know i think <laughs> i, I think they're going to bring back all of them and do a scene because why wouldn't you if you're if you're ryan reynolds and you're bringing back daredevil they're just gonna i'm sure they're just thinking shit up you mean, you mean uh wolverine or, uh, well pardon me wolverine yes did i say daredevil yes that you've unless, got, unless you know something we don't no, know. No, I, I don't. I don't. I don't. But I think that, that Deadpool, when you're making this movie, he's going to be able to do whatever. <laughs> I don't know anything. <laughs> I don't know anything. Um, uh, I, I don't know. But I think that if he thinks stuff up, they're going to do it. Because Kevin Feige is the kind of guy that they're allowing him to make this movie in the first place. I'll bet Ryan Reynolds just calls up Kevin Feige and throws out ideas. And, and Feige's like, sure, let's do that. Because why not? All right, Chris, what do you think? Could we see the web have pop up in the Merc with a Mouths movie? I'm kind of with Rob here. If you're familiar with Deadpool and Spider-Man in the comics, I mean, they have a very contentious, often one-sided sexual relationship. <laughs> I think you could have some hilarious jokes, especially if it's all three of them, of Ryan Reynolds just being like, is it my birthday? <laughs> it's going to be great. I'm here for it. All right. Uh, we will not talk about Spider-Man freshman year, obviously. Do you um, think he's in it? 
What's that? Do you think Spider-Man since Spider-Man freshman year? No chance. Okay. No cool. chance. They're going to focus completely on Professor Connor. It's a prequel series. It's just to, Connor and Ned. Peter getting to school. It's going to be all about that. <laughs> all right. Now that brings us to the last one, which Spider-Man has been a member of the Fantastic Four. Um, Bombastic Bagman. What's that? Bombastic Bagman. That's, that that's who he is. Oh, I yeah. did not know that. He puts on a, a paper bag. I don't I don't even remember yeah. that one. Um, so I don't see it happening. I mean, I think there's so much to do in Fantastic Four that I don't know if a Spider-Man appearing in there makes sense. But I mean, historically, there's precedent for it. Uh, Rob, what do you think? Uh, again, I don't know what they're going to do with Fantastic Four. I would I would I would say probably not only because and if anything it's going to be a post credit scene or something that might lead into Kang Dynasty because i just think that they won they have to establish that the uh, marvel's first family within the mcu and that's a lot of work and when you bring in a cameo like this that overshadows what you're trying to do cuz you know they know how the fans oh my god spider-man's in it and that what i want is a great fantastic four movie that's all i want from this movie i don't need to see spider-man in it chris Again, I go back to Peter showing up, not Spider-Man. I think Peter Parker has a reason to be in the Baxter building or pop on a Zoom call or like be in Nose some read. kind of seminar. You know, one of yeah, those kinds of things. I can see that. All right, guys. Question is for you. We just went through a lot there. What film or television series coming up in Marvel prior to Kang Dynasty do you think we could possibly maybe <coughs> see a Peter Parker slash Spider-Man pop up in? Whether it's just a cameo or a small part. Maybe all of them, maybe none of them, maybe one or two. Whichever ones you think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With all that down, we're now going to take a second and thank a couple of the sponsors of today's episode of The John Campion Show, our friends over at The Black Tux and Fume. Hey guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, The Black Tux. It's time we had the talk. You know the one I'm talking about, the one that ends in the three-letter word. I'm talking about a tux. And when you need a tux, the best place to go to get one is The Black Tux. The Black Tux makes it super easy to get an on-trend, top-quality, guaranteed-to-fit tux without ever needing to leave your house. So here's how it works. Take The Black Tux Fit Quiz, pick the style you want to wear, and boom, your tux is delivered to your door 10 days before the day you need it. That's plenty of time to try it on and make sure it wears you well. And hey, if the fit's not quite right, say hello to the Black Tux Fit Guarantee. Order a better size within a day or two of receiving the less than great fitting one and they'll send another one right away at no extra cost. Their expert fit specialist will help you find the perfect style tux or suit and make sure it fits just right. Listen, I've been dubious in the past about online sites or apps that say they can get your measurements, but the fit quiz with the Black Tux works great. And man, I wish I had had these guys for so many events I've attended over the years. So rent or buy, the Black Tux is the best place to go when you need a tuxedo for a wedding or a special night. And right now, when you go to theblacktux.com slash campia and use the code campia, you'll save $20 off your order. That's T-H-E-B-L-A-C-K-T-U-X dot com slash campia, code campia to save $20. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, Fume. Be smart. Don't start. Kick the habit. 
Put it out before it puts you out. All phrases we've heard a hundred times, and yet we still continue to have bad habits. Today's sponsor, Fume, is on a mission to accelerate humanity's breakup from the bad habits that consume far too many of us. Fume is a natural diffusive device that uses plants and behavioral science to help you trade out your negative habit for a positive one. You see, Fume is not a vape. It's a non-electronic device designed to transform your negative habits. Because instead of pods filled with potentially harmful chemicals like a vape, Fume uses cores infused with plants like peppermint and cinnamon for delicious natural flavors. And Fume's new version 2 model is snappy and tactile. With an adjustable airflow dial and a magnetic end cap, your fingers will always have something to do. The device itself is really attractive, and once I popped in the core and took my first inhale of it, it tasted fantastic. Guys, the easiest way to stop a bad habit is to switch to a positive one, and Fume is designed to perfectly do just that. So head over to tryfume.com and use the promo code CAMPIA to save 10% off when you get the Journey Pack today. The Journey Pack comes with three unique flavors and the new version 2 fume to help kickstart your positive habits. That's tryfume, T-R-Y-F-U-M dot com and use the code CAMPIA to save an additional 10% off your order today. And thank you to our friends at the Black Tux and Fume for sponsoring this episode of the John Campy Show. Remember guys, when you check out and support our sponsors, you're actually supporting us. So if you go down the description of the video, right at the top, you'll find links and promo codes to all of today's sponsors. And thank you again to the Black Tux and Fume. All right, guys, let's keep things rolling here and go back to the hotline one more time. And this time from our Mint Mobile hotline, we got a question about the movies coming out in March. Hey, John and friends, Greg from Michigan here. As you guys have talked about, March is a stacked month for blockbusters coming out. So I want to get the group's opinion. Which March blockbuster will gross the most at the box office? Scream 6, Creed 3, John Wick, or Dungeons and Dragons? Thanks. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, Greg. And to be clear, I don't think any movie in March is going to have a blockbuster. You know, in terms of, I don't know that any movie in March, maybe one of them. Maybe one of them, but it was going to like clear $700 million or whatever. Like, But it's a packed month yep. with some really exciting looking films going in. So before giving our kind of pick on which one we think is going to make the most at the box office, that most of the, the more audience is going to flock out to the theater to go see, let's go through the films that are coming out in March. All right. Now, this isn't exhaustive. We're just basically covering the bigger wide release ones. But we're going to start off with this one. Creed. Three is opening on March 3rd. That was one we were obviously just talking about. The reviews have come out. The reviews are very solid for this movie. The trailers have been great. So that is, of course, a third in the franchise. It's never been a blockbuster franchise. The Creed franchise has never made a ton of money, but they've always been good and solid, and a lot of people are excited about it. So that's coming out March 3rd. Also coming out on March 3rd, it's going to make no money at the box office, but I'm ex excited to see it anyway. Operation Fortune Ruse de Guerre. I don't even know if I'm saying it that looks right. good. I did eight years really of French fun. and I don't know if I'm saying that right, but you've got Aubrey Plaza, Jason Statham, uh, Hugh Grant. Uh, you've got uh, uh, Wesley from Carrie Ellis. What's that? Carrie Ellis. Carrie Ellis. I always still say Carrie Yules, but you, I think you're right. I think it's yes, Elvis. It is. Elvis. Uh, who's of course, Wesley from Princess Bride. And, Am I mistaken? Is this not directed by Guy Ritchie? It is. It is. See, that's the main reason I'd be excited about it. And Josh Hartman. And Josh Hartman. But again, they have not marketed this thing at all. Uh, I don't even think a lot of people remember this movie's coming out. It's going to make nothing at the box office, but could very well end up being the best movie of the bunch. Yep. All right. 
Next up, coming out on March 10th, we got Adam Driver's 65, which came out of nowhere for me when they dropped that first trailer. And I was like, this looks awesome. But again, they have not actually promoted this movie much. So it's a big sci-fi kind of designed to be a blockbuster, but I, I just don't know that it's going to get to blockbuster numbers because they have not been putting the marketing budget behind it, but I am very excited to see this. So we've got 65 opening on March 10th. All right. Also opening against it on March 10th. I know Taylor, which one Taylor's going to go yeah. see. Yeah. Scream 6, which by the way, that little title design is very creative. Yeah. Mm -hmm. With the last M turning into the 6. Yeah, it's that's, really cool. That's kind of cool. The last one was quite good. We've already talked about this one is looking. They're projecting this to have the biggest opening weekend of the franchise history. Still only in the 30-something million dollar range. So again, this isn't going to be a blockbuster. But I think you're going to see a lot of people are excited about seeing Scream 6. So again, that comes out on March 10th. All right. Moving over to March 17th, maybe my most anticipated movie of the month, Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Uh, again, the first one only made in the $300 plus million range. I do not think it's going to hit $400 million. So again, not really a blockbuster, but I love the first one. I love Zach Levi in this role. Adding Helen Mirren. And Lucy Liu to the cast as the villains, getting more of the Shazam family action. Sign me up. I'm excited about it. Uh, but I don't know, again, if it's going to be a huge blockbuster per se. All right. So from Shazam, we move, move over to what is probably going to be most people's most anticipated movie of this month. As we head into March 24th and John Wick Chapter 4. Taylor, look up for me. What did John Wick Chapter 3 made at the box office? Now, the John Wick movies, they have been that ascent. They have like the first one made respectable money for a little action film. Second one did better. How much did the third one make? Uh, let's see, domestically or oh, no, worldwide? worldwide? Worldwide is $327 million. Really? I thought it made more than that. All right. But I knew, I mean, I knew it wasn't $600 million, but I thought it was more than that. So this could pop possibly be the biggest movie of uh, of that, that or Creed, whatever. But a lot of people excited for John Wick Chapter 4. Again, that's coming out March 24th. All right. Also coming out in March... On March 31st, oh, I'm not going to lie to you, I'm very excited about Dungeons & Dragons. I remember last year at CinemaCon, when they showed us the first preview for this, I walked out and I think I said to you guys, it's like, that felt like I was playing a D&D &D game and it was brought to life on the screen because it just felt everything the way a D&D &D game feels. Now, I don't know still how people who don't play Dungeons & Dragons are going to approach this or think about it, whatever, but I think the trailers for this have been really good. Again, I don't think it's going to be a blockbuster, but this is another one I'm very, very excited about. All right, in what might end up being the best movie of the month, but probably maybe also other than Operation Fortune, maybe the lowest grossing one, is the Morgan Freeman, Florence Pugh film, A Good Person. Uh, that's directed by Zach Braff. This movie looks absolutely wonderful. Like, it, it, I don't know that it will be, but the trailers make it look like an Oscar. I contest. have not seen the trailers for this. Oh, my. Okay, so ba here's the basic premise, okay? Basic premise is this. Wonderful life. Um, she is... Uh, engaged mm -hmm. to Morgan Freeman's son. And one day, and she's super tight friends with her fiance's sister, who is Morgan Freeman's daughter. 
And then there's a car accident oh. in which the daughter dies, in which uh, <laughs> what who would be Florence Pugh's sister-in-law right. dies. And they're both dealing with grief. And there's a moment in the trailer where she shows up to a grief therapy session, like a group grief therapy session, and sees that Morgan Freeman is there too. And it's just a freaking trailer. And I'm getting goosebumps thinking, I'm getting emotion. It was a beautiful moment just in the trailer itself. Again, I don't think anybody's gonna go see this in any you know, significant numbers at all. But I'll tell you what, I am excited to get to the theaters to watch this because this could end up being the best film of March. Yeah. So there you have it, guys. We have uh, Creed 3, Operation Fortune, 65, Scream 6, Shazam, Fury of the Gods, John Wick Chapter 4, Dungeons and Dragons, and A Good Person all coming out in March. This is easily the most significantly packed month we've had since the pandemic started. I'm excited about a lot of it. All right, now down to the nitty gritty. What is going to be the number one box office film of the month? While I honestly think Dungeons and Dragons is going to do better than people think, I think it's going to be John Wick Chapter 4. I think John Wick Chapter 4 is the one that's going to end up making the most money. It's got the franchise. It's got the fan base. It's got Keanu Reeves. It's going to be all those things. Shazam is not going to make the money they're hoping it's going to make, although I, I still hope it's going to be really, really awesome. <coughs> Creed 3, the Creed franchise has never been that big, so it's going to do well for a Creed film, but not that. Scream, always never been a, a blockbuster thing, so I think it's going to end up being John Wick Chapter 4. Rob, out of this... What do we got? Ten films here? Nine? Ten? Nine. Nine films here. What do you think is going to be the one that ends up making the most money? Okay, here's the thing. I think it's all contingent on how good Dungeons & Dragons turns out to be. Mm. Because John Wick is an R-rated movie. It does, That's true. It That's a good point. Yeah, yep. it doesn't have the family crowd. I think John Wick is... That would be my choice. But if Dungeons & Dragons is great, and it delivers Indiana Jones kind of thrills, it's that kind of a fun movie... With the family crowd, I think it could be a Jumanji level hit. Wow! You know, if it's good, if it's not, I see the potential for not good to be very good. Sure, yes. There's a large opportunity. You know, yes, there is. And and it could go south really fast. I mean, it looks. I really like the cast. You know, Justice Smith who's in it. Uh, I I love him. I did too. He was in <laughs> Sharper. You know, the movie, yep. I, the Apple Plus movie I just watched. I thought he was quite good in that. But if this movie is fun and gets that family crest that wave it could i think it'll be the number one movie of the month but if not i'd give that to john wick it's just that john wick is a hard r movie so you're you're missing the family audience and the younger audience it's gonna be interesting too with Dungeons and dragons to see if any of the look the whole reason they got jean-luc picard in this movie jean roger boger whatever i i don't know what his full name is but bridgerton jean boy Roger. it's gonna be interesting to see if they're able to attract over some of that Bridgerton audience oh, yeah, because sure. you know that's why they got him in there is to be that like and can I just say every once in a while you come across a guy who is so good looking you just shake your fist at the stars and say this is just unfair that's like that's a good looking dude anyway uh Chris what do you think that we got nine films I'm really looking forward to what do you think is going to be the the one that the audiences go out to the most okay, that guy's name is Regé Jean Page so that's who you're cursing thank, every thank day you. all yes. right <laughs> Damn him! With his oh, stupid, you good-looking good son of a bitch! Gosh, and you're so talented. Um, for me, I, I agree with Rob. I think it really hinges on if Dungeons and Dragons really delivers because you can get that family audience. But why are we sleeping on dinosaurs, you guys? Sixty-five. 
It's a sci-fi dino not marketing movie. It. Oh, I think it's going to be a banger. <laughs> I'm so anime? excited about it. Also, okay, this is the year of the adoptive father-daughter relationship where we are having daddies rescue people, okay? Mm. I believe in this film, all right? And I believe in that trend. So I think 65 is going to do really well. And then, you know, surprisingly, I think Scream is going to bring really good numbers, too. I think we're going to see a lot of people flock into theaters to see that. Not me, but I think a lot of people are going to go. If it was only four million years later. Mm. Oh, then. dear. You know, there's another movie, <laughs> a smaller movie that I Sorry. want to bring up. It's pin, Pinball, it's okay. that pinball movie. Pinball, the man who saved the game. Yeah, well, that's only a limited release. I know, but it has the kid that was in Cocaine Bear. The little well, kid. Then, well, then. That's, yeah, see? <laughs> well, that's going to burn up the charts. Well, I'm no. just saying. I'm just saying. We we should bring up all the movies that are coming out. All right, guys. Well, there's there's like 40 movies coming yeah. up. You Tetris. include all the limited release yeah, ones, Yeah, even too. the streaming ones. Tetris and stuff is coming out. I, am, I am looking forward to Tetris. I am, too. This is all box office. And this is about box office. When does Air open? That's not this one. It's not this on uh, May. I think it comes out in April, if I'm April. not mistaken. It could be in there. Anyway, guys, question is for you. Out of that big list of films, Creed, Operation, Champ. Oh, I didn't mention Champions. That's the one I, I skipped over. <sighs> okay. Which I guess is okay because, honestly, um, Champions, uh, which is this one here, I don't think it's it's going to have any Bob, but it's Woody Harrelson. Oh. Uh, plays an NBA coach who gets in legal trouble, community service. He has to coach a team of special needs individuals. It looks like it's going to be a charming little movie. I just don't think a lot of people are going to see it. I have to say, I think this trailer is really funny. Oh, yeah. It's really funny, and I feel guilty laughing at it. <laughs> I'm like, it's it They're looks, trying to make you laugh. I know, but I'm like, I kind of feel guilty. I'm laughing at the special needs kids and Woody Harrelson, but it looks really funny, and the, that group of actors is really good. Well, yeah. the kids are great, and they're zinging Woody. They're, they're, they're yeah. giving it's, it's scathing true. reviews of like his life, I of know coaching. About it's fantastic. It, they're really talented. Yeah. I mean, I I think that trailer's really funny. I particularly like the joke when he's thinking, like, do you think I'm good looking? And she says, you're no McConaughey, which is funny because, of course, McConaughey so was good. his co-star yeah. in well, uh, best True Detective. Yeah, it's so, they love each other. Yeah, it's so good. All right, guys. Question is, what do you think out of all those movies? Which one do you think is the one that the audiences are most going to be rushing out to the theaters and go see? I don't see any true huge blockbusters in here, but a lot of great potential in here. Yeah. Which one do you think most people are going to go to see? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, let's move on to this one here, shall we? And that is this. You know, the upcoming Thunderbolts movie really has my attention. I'm very, very excited about this movie. Ever since they made the announcement, they're mentioning that, first of all, that David Harbour was joining the cast, that Sebastian Stan was going to be on it too. I mean, I was like, okay, I'm on board for this thing now. Well, now we know another cast member joining. Walking Dead and Invincible, Steven Yoon, is now officially joining the Thunderbolts. Now, they are not saying anything about who he's playing, or what role he's playing. Some people speculate maybe he's going to be a villain. Maybe his character itself is going to kind of be the MacGuffin of the film. Who knows? But all I know is that the voice of Invincible is always terrific to see on screen. I am a little bit surprised to hear more cast announcements, just considering there's a lot of people in this movie already. But that's nothing strange or nothing new for the MCU. Anyway, Chris, you hear about Steven joining the cast of Thunderbolts. What do you think about his addition and... 
If you had to speculate about what kind of role he's going to play, what do you think it'll be? Oh, I'm so excited. I love him so much. Yeah. I think he's such a fantastic actor. I just absolutely fell in love with him on Walking Dead, and I stopped watching when he was no longer on it. Um, I think his voice acting is incredible. I can't wait for Chu if they are still working on that. I know mean, oh, that's been in post-production for a really long time, but he's so great. He's one of those actors who can do voice acting, who can do on-screen acting, and both he does just flawlessly, in my opinion. I'm really excited to have him added here. I don't see him as a villain, and that might just be my own personal bias of being like, but he's so charming and lovely, and I want him to be Dick Grayson, and I just love everything about him in the DC universe, obviously. So here, I could see him as Amadeus Chow. I think that'd be really, really great. I think he'd do a wonderful job playing Braun. I think that's a character that you can easily drop into the Thunderbolts. Other options too are like Atlas. I don't really see him being that. And also he's already playing one pretty much invincible guy on Invincible. So right. I don't know if that would be something that interests him, but there's a lot of possibilities here and you know, never a bad idea to add talent. Or maybe he's just a human guy who lives next door. Could be. To the uh, Thunderbolt secret base, which but would what? be hilarious. Oh, but what a oh, waste of Steven. What's that? Uh, what a waste of Steven, though. Why? Make him make him be a character. Make him be like somebody present in the MCU. Uh, Nobody's I, present in the MCU. You know what I would love to I see I don't want this to be like a William Harper Jackson, because I finally saw Ant-Man. I don't want them to be like, look who we have. And pfft, yeah, and then he's gone. role for uh, this incredible actor. But but I, I could totally see this. Let's say the Thunderbolt secret lair is like in a normal house in some neighborhood. I could see Steven brilliantly playing. Do you guys see the Thor short films? Yeah, yeah. I could see him playing a Daryl, but have him at like have a like a, a he's in a good have him in at least twenty minutes of the movie. He could steal the movie if you had him just as the neighbor to the. I think he could totally steal the movie, but I don't think that's what they're doing at all. But I think it would be funny. I think he's going to be the villain. And he's gonna be the bad guy. Yeah. What do you think about his addition to the cast? I I love it because I love it. You know, and he's also been making Korean language films too that he's yeah. starring mm -hmm. in, and I I which I love. I love that he's he's doing that because he's great in those as well. One in particular, and I I uh, I think he's gonna be a bad guy, and I don't know who that's going to be, but I think he's going to be a villain of some kind, especially like maybe he's he's uh, he's a, from the Talakan Empire. I don't know. You know, they're going to do something, I think, unexpected with him. Or maybe he's an an Asian superhero that they haven't yet put in the MCU yet and that he comes through the Thunderbolts. I don't know, but I think he's going to be a bad guy. You know, with the exception of William Harper Jackson, who is not a character from the comic books, but then again, it was such a nothing role that it doesn't right. even count. So we have good. not yet seen Marvel really create a new character that has not existed in the comic book pages yet play a major role in the film, unless I'm unless somebody's eluding me off the top of my head. But that would be interesting to see. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this with Steven's addition to the Thunderbolts? I'm already excited about this movie, to be honest with you. I wasn't before. The addition of Sebastian Stan and David Harbour really pushed me I mean, me the cast the is great. Yeah, the cast looks terrific. This could be a lot of fun. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comments section below and leave us your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, let's get into our final main topic here today, shall we? And that one is this. Notwithstanding the results of Rings of Power, which I still enjoyed. I, I like the Rings of Power, but it was not as good as I was hoping it would be. Still a lot of potential there, though. But the Lord of the Rings is still one of the most significant, important, and biggest IPs in the world. One of the people who is totally aware of that is, of course, Warner Brothers head chief David Zaslav. Well, 
Well, we've been talking a lot lately about David Zaslav wanting to get uh, his other big IP, Harry Potter, getting more things going on that. His eye has not turned off of Lord of the Rings. No pun intended. Because according now to reports, this was coming out of Variety, there are new Lord of the Rings movies now being set at Warner Brothers, and Peter Jackson is, as they're calling it, being kept in the loop of the development of it all. This comes to us from... Variety, they wrote, Warner Brothers Pictures is revamping the Lord of the Rings film franchise. On Thursday's earning call, Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav announced that newly installed studio leaders Mike DeLuca and Pam Abdi have brokered a deal to make multiple films based on the beloved J.R.R. Tolkien books. The projects will be developed through the Warner Brothers label New Line Cinema, which of course is the same overseeing company that overlooked saw the original Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings films. The first Lord of the Rings trilogy, helmed by Peter Jackson, grossed nearly $3 billion worldwide. Jackson's follow-up trilogy, based on Tolkien's The Hobbit, matched those grosses. Now, no filmmaker has been attached to the projects as of yet, but this is where it gets interesting. In a statement to Variety, Peter Jackson and his main Lord of the Rings collaborators, Fran Walsh and Philippa Boyens, said that Warner Brothers and Embracer have, quote-unquote, kept us in the loop every step of the way. We look forward to speaking with them further to hear their vision for the franchise moving forward, Peter Jackson and Walsh and Boylan's said. All right. I'm going to go, while it is not explicitly stated here, I believe David Zaslav is completely going to swing for the fences on this. And while there was a lot of talk earlier that Peter Jackson may or may not be involved with the Rings of Power, and ultimately he, he didn't end up being involved with that for Amazon, I believe that the very mention of them in here the very fact that Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh are even saying anything, I believe David Zaslav is 100% going to swing for the fences on this. And I'm not necessarily saying that Peter Jackson will end up directing these films, because I really think he got frazzled out on doing the Hobbit movies. But I 100% believe Peter Jackson is going to be involved in this. David Zaslav is going to do whatever he needs to do. He'll move whatever mountain he needs to move to get Peter Jackson involved in this. As a director, outside shot. As an executive producer, as a shepherd, as a godfather of this thing, at the very minimum, I think we are going to see the Peter Jackson. And with Peter Jackson involved in it, I and with New Line being back and shepherding and overseeing this, I think this is something to be very, very excited about. I mean, I look, Peter Jackson took a lot of liberties with the Lord of the Rings stuff, and that's fine. But he had a unique vision of that world. He had a unique vision for what middle earth was going to be like under his eye and if they can get it back to the kind of the feel of the movies and make it feel like it's brought us home again listen i liked rings of power but it never felt like we were being brought back home again right it never felt like we were kind of like the way the fantastic beast movies never really felt like they were in the wizarding world of harry potter up until you know hogwarts really showed up in the third movie i think being under peter jackson it will feel like we're back home again regardless of what these movies actually end up being anyway chris i wanted to go over you on this you know you read this report warner brothers new line is gonna be making more lord of the rings somehow some way jackson and, and walsh got brought into this are you excited about this what are you expecting from it would would peter jackson be involved in this i don't know what do you think about this whole thing right now i mean my knee-jerk reaction is excitement i love the lord of the rings obviously my dog is named gimli son of gloin my company is named speak friend studios i love this world and it's such a rich world to continue exploring there's so much lore there's so much you can really dive into give me the adventures of tom bombadil do whatever you want i don't care as long as it's done well right and that's the thing here is if it's not done well 
I can go back to the books. I can go back to the Lord of the Rings. I'll probably skip The Hobbit or I'll watch that fan edit that combines the two movies and then that makes it a little better for me. But it's not going to take away from anything that already exists if this isn't executed well. Will I be a little disappointed? Absolutely. But I'm really, really hoping that they do some really, really cool stuff here. I know a lot of us were let down by the Rings of Power series. That was definitely some swings and misses for me. I didn't dislike it as some other much as some other people. But I think that, you know, it's a really, really great world to exist in. Why wouldn't you want to keep mining here? Get into Moria. Go do it. Rob, what do you think about this story, and what do you think ultimately is going to come out of it here? Well, I mean, they've got the animated movie, The War of the Rohirrim, that they're already making, right? which interests me. But I think they're going to have the same problem that Rings of Power had in that, you know, Tolkien wrote The Hobbit, and then he wrote The Lord of the Rings that had characters and story and everything. But And all of the, there's all the vast histories and all of his notes in the background of Middle-earth. But what you don't have are fully developed characters and dialogue and all that stuff. So I would wonder, what story are they going to tell? Are they going to make a Baron and Luthien movie? Are they going to make the Ballad of Tom Bombadil? I mean, what are they going to do? And the thing is, it's a hard act to follow. I mean, I'm not a pessimist here, but The Lord of the Rings is a story about the end of the world. It really is. You can't get much bigger than that. And those three movies are cinematic perfection for the most part. And I don't know how you make a Lord of the Rings movie that stands up against those others. Like, and maybe that's because I don't have the creative vision. But still, what story do you tell? I mean, sometimes I understand David Zaslav's going, these are the most successful in our quiver of, of, of IP we got to look, Lord of the Rings is one of the most successful. You have six movies that all made basically a billion dollars each. Academy Award winners all, but where's the rest of the IP to mine? Like, it's it's been mined. I mean, The Hobbit was dragged out into three movies. Yeah, which, I, which was a fundamental mistake. I think so, too. Part. And yeah. I get it. I mean, I understand they all made money. But at the end of the day, what stories do you tell? And how do those stories stand up to the very thing that you want them to, which is the original Lord of the Rings trilogy? I don't know. I think you run into the same problems you're going to run into that they've run into with Rings of Power. They're making iterations of these characters that we know and love. Like, you've got to have the elf. You've got to have this. You've got to have the wizard. You've got to... So all of these things, I think it's limited. But then again, maybe they already have an idea. But the thing is, the three people that know best are Peter Jackson, Fran Walsh, and Philip Boyens because they already did it. And they've probably thought about every single aspect of Middle Earth. They know the appendices. They know everything. And I bet if you went to them, I bet the first David Zazov probably called Peter up. Peter was probably hanging out with Fran and Philippa, and they were probably all in his kitchen. He put them on speaker, and all three of them said, you could do... And they probably gave him a million ideas, and David Zazov was like, great, you're in the loop. And that's what happened because there's nobody better on the planet Earth if these movies have to get made than the three of them. And I would say this too, when you're asking about what stories do you tell, I, I'm gonna say something that's gonna sound a little weird. It almost doesn't matter. All that matters is do you execute? Because listen, I propose that if you write on a sheet, well, I said this about the Star Wars prequels. If you take the Star Wars prequels, which are awful, but if you take the, take the Star Wars prequels and you just write out the overall story of the three prequels on like a four page outline, I would probably look at it and go, you know what? There. It's about execution, right? Yeah, absolutely. If, By the Topher Grace edit exists somewhere. Yes. And it, I think if you look at the Rings of Power, the same thing to me. I think if you took a two-page quick outline of what the Rings of Power was going to be, I would have looked at that and said, oh, there's something really great here. Yeah. But it was execution. 
You know, and I think if they could, if they can get us back in that world, because like you said, I, I think so accurately, like Peter Jackson is the architect of what our understanding of the visualization of Middle Earth is. If Peter Jackson can get in there and take whichever story he wanted, but execute it really well within that world, it could be a huge win for them. Uh, you know, and Jonathan uh, was talking before we started the show about going back and, and examining something like Morgoth and the first age of Middle Earth. That's that could be really cool you know and that's something that again i would trust philip peter and fran to go back and do there they 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 thought about it. i mean they were immersed for the better part of a decade more than a, in in all of this and the three of them together writing it all i uh, i would want to i would like you whatever they're going to do i would be excited if peter jackson was involved i would also and i know this is going to rub some people the wrong way and i don't give a shit i would also <laughs> be kind of interested in seeing a continuation story about the 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 days following middle earth once the majority of the elves have left for the undying lands you know the the fallout of mordor having been defeated and stuff like that like i'd also be very interested in seeing like picking up a story in middle earth not necessarily of of sam and frodo or anything like that but sure. picking up a, a, about something in middle earth like say 7 years after the events of of that it would be interesting well to you know i think you, you're on to something there because wouldn't uh, but i would even go back to sam like people would look at sam in middle earth he would have been a hero you know the the and maybe maybe as he's put the shire back together and has a great life and maybe the hobbits are playing a bigger part in the rest of middle earth than they used to samwise gamgee is an important figure in this new realm and that way you could bring back sam and that's a connection. I mean, people love him. People love Sean Astin. Well, something you've mentioned a lot too about how, like, when you when you got to the new Star Wars movies, or if you look at Top Gun, you, the the actors have aged with the characters. So maybe it's not just five years. Maybe it's twenty years later. Yeah. And we're looking at maybe you know the 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 twentieth anniversary of Aragorn. If we get Viggo Mortensen back as being the, the king of Gondor and things like that, and and something else. I don't know. I, I just think there's 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 potential there. I agree. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think of this news that Warner Brothers is moving ahead? They're going to be creating new Lord of the Rings films, and it's going to be under their original home at New Line Cinemas, the company, of course, that shepherded the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings films. Are you excited about that? Are you the type of person who would be like, I'm only going to be excited if we do find out that Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh are involved? That would be understandable, too. What do you think is going to come out of all this? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, we're going to move on and start taking your live comments and questions, and we're going to open up the Super Chats right now. What do you guys think or have questions about any or all the topics we discussed or anything else for that matter? Now, before we get to your questions, though, we're going to take another second here and thank another couple of sponsors of today's episode, our friends at Masterclass and Mint Mobile. We want to thank a sponsor of this video, Masterclass. Masterclass offers classes on a wide variety of topics, all taught by world-class instructors at the very top of their fields. Each class is broken out into individual video lessons, usually around 10 minutes long. And Masterclass is completely accessible on your phone, the web, smart TV, and available via audio mode to listen to classes on the go. They have over 2,500 video lessons from over 180 of today's most brilliant minds. They're all available anytime, anywhere on iOS, 
Android, Desktop, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, and Roku. Now, obviously, around here on The John Campus Show, we love our movies, so why not learn filmmaking from Jodie Foster, or maybe directing from Ron Howard himself, or the great Neil Gaiman doing his masterclass on the art of storytelling. And you guys have heard me talk about my favorite masterclass, Business Strategy and Leadership by Big Papa Iger himself, Bob Iger, the new and returning CEO of Disney. So guys, I highly recommend that you check it out. Get unlimited access to every class. And as a John Campia Show listener, you get 15% off an annual membership. Just go to masterclass.com slash Campia now. That's masterclass.com slash Campia for 15% off Masterclass. We want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. If saving more and spending less is one of your top goals for 2023, why are you still paying insane amounts of money every month for your phone bill? Switching to Mint Mobile is the easiest way to save this year. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just 15 bucks a month. You guys know I made the switch over to Mint Mobile a while ago. The process couldn't have been easier and I can't believe that I am spending less than a third of what I was spending on one of the other major carriers before. By going online only and eliminating the traditional costs of retail, Mint Mobile passes the significant savings on to you. All plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and switch easily in minutes with eSIM. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia that's mintmobile.com slash campia cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia and thank you to our friends at masterclass and of course mint mobile for sponsoring this episode of the john campia show all right guys with that down let's get over to your live comments and questions here shall we we're gonna get started off with who chris from armored saiyan sending in some support thank you so much uh we also have sean z comic Con construct doing some support so thank you jay bling sean levy will be directing ryan reynolds in yet another movie called boy band after deadpool 3. these canadian kids just can't get enough of each other i'll tell you well i have not heard that story yet but it's it's really Listen, they've done some really good stuff together. Everything from, first of all, Free Guy, which I loved. I loved Free Guy. I, I just, I was just so, it was so charming, such a fresh take on that whole entire thing. It was charming. It was wonderful. It's really good. And Sean really knows how to get the best out of Ryan. And then they did that Adam Project movie, which was much better than it had any business being. And so that's why we were excited to hear that he would be actually directing Deadpool 3. Uh, so I, I haven't read about this particular show but or movie, but I'm kind of excited to hear it. All right, what's next? From Corey Hensley, Tolkien actually attempted to write a story post Lord of the Rings, but ultimately abandoned it because he felt there were no more good stories to tell. He might be right. He might be right, but but no, he's wrong. He's wrong. There's always stories to tell. Like anybody who is a storyteller can come up with great stories. That's the thing. Like you can say, well, there's no more comedies to write. There's no more there's no more comedies to write. There's no more stories you can write about you know, America in the 50s. There's no more stories you can write about this or that. But anybody who ever says that always is proven wrong. Like he created a world where if you are a gifted storyteller, you can create characters within that world that live and breathe in that world and flesh out that world even more. There are always new stories to tell. The question is, are you a good enough writer that you're the one to mine it? And sometimes the answer to that is no. 
but uh, we'll see. Hmm. All right, what's next? From Stubble McShave, I hope WB adapts Baron and Luthien or The Fall of Gondolin. There's so much potential there. I hope they don't just adapt the trilogy again. You know what? I I wouldn't put it past some studio suits to say, let's just redo the original Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I It just, it's still, I understand we're talking decades old now, but those movies still feel completely contemporary. I... Look, there's a lot of history and lore. I would love to see the story move forward. We were just talking about it, Robin. And now that I'm thinking about it even more, I would love, like all my other franchises, I would love to see the story move forward from where we were instead of continuously going backwards. I, I want to see new stuff. Let's, let's try new. All right, what's next? From King Tannic, glad Rob said what I thought about 65. If it was only 4 million years later, missed opportunity. Yeah, kind of. Kind of glad they didn't do that. They, they would they would never recover. <laughs> It'd be from that a different movie. It would be a very very different movie. All right, what's next? I'm gonna hang around Taylor Gonzalez too much. <laughs> it's true. Goodness gracious, Emma Murdoch, Ironheart could see Ned or MJ pop up since they're at MIT, not Peter, and maybe J, J Jonah Jameson for New World Order since it may deal with fake news, conspiracies, and some insight for more MCU films. I mean that's true too, but of course Spider Man can pop up at MIT anytime. Yeah. Like. The world in the world of the MCU, geography is not a barrier, so I, I wouldn't worry about. But yeah, listen, we didn't talk about that. Like maybe seeing, well, look, Zendaya is a little bit in demand right now to have her pop up as a cameo in somebody else's Disney Plus show. So I don't know about that. But Ned, Jacob Bartolone just popping up as an that actually that's a really good point. That maybe they could do that. All right, that's, what's next? Yeah. From Koa1708, do you guys ever get mad at the comments people post? Disagreeing with your thoughts, maligning your opinion, etc. Some of them aren't very nice. Well, Some no, I, listen, I have, <laughs> I love, 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 love comments that get on there that it's like, you know, John, you mentioned this, I disagree. I think this, this, and this. Because even if I disagree with the comment, it can give me a different perspective to look at it yeah. from, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. The parts where we start banning people from our comments, because it's like, oh, you're not being constructive to our conversation at all is when somebody comes in and says, John, like instead of coming and saying, hey, John, you mentioned this about, uh, I don't know, uh, The Last of Us, and I disagree with you on that because I think this, this, and this. Those are great. I love those. The ones that we just pull out the ban button is when it's like, you're an idiot for thinking this. Like, you know what? You're not, you are not con conducive to a constructive conversation at all here. So ban that. So, and no, it's just simple. But you know what? I, I go through our comments every day. And while there are always some idiots like that who, instead of saying, hey, I disagree with you on this because of this, they go, you think something stupid. It's it's a lot better in our comments section than it is a lot of YouTube yeah. comments. We have a like a pretty advanced audience, I think. I mean, I would like to save it on my channel if somebody thinks I'm a dick or, or a douche or whatever they want to call it, as long as the way they do it is clever. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll give it up. If somebody hates my guts, and but but puts it in a, in a way that I'm like, that's really constructive. That's that's some good writing. But here's what I, I was, like that. I remember there's there's a tech guy that I watched. That I've watched for a long time called Leo Laporte. He does a, he has a a podcast tech channel called uh, uh, Twit This Week in Tech, right? And I remember many years back when I was still doing the movie blog, he made a comment that really helped shape how I always look at comment sections and stuff like that. Which was he said this. He goes, "You need to understand." Now, this was prior to YouTube. This is when I was blogging, but I think it transfers. He says something really smart. He said, you need to understand that your comments section 
is as much a part of the identity of your blog, podcast, channel as your content is. It's as much a part of the content. A viewer comes to your blog or channel and that comment section is a part of the DNA and the personality of your thing. And they said, he was saying, if you aren't careful about how you manage your comment section, you're going to get people turned off from coming back to your channel because of comments. Yeah. And that's why like, and I make no apologies for it. Like I'm very, I, I'm very meticulous about making sure we have a constructive multiple views of opinion, but a constructive positive conversation kind of, uh, place and i've i've felt that way from the movie blog to amc to complex to here now so yeah that's that's i think it's pretty important and a lot of people just forget that we're real people and it's easy to keyboard warrior when you're not on screen um y'all know i'm in the chat and people catch these hands people catch these <laughs> hands all the time when they say dumb asinine shit that's really really mean and a lot of times there's just a course correction that needs to happen all right what's next from Suthius, after the complex got destroyed, 2014 Nebula says, they suspect nothing. And Thanos replies, the arrogant never do. Very ironic that moments later, he didn't suspect Tony taking the stones from him. Mm, ironic or great writing. That is, that is actually kind of one of the great sleight of hand moments in movies. When he snaps and then looks and realizes that stones are gone. That's a, like, I don't know how Tony pulled it off. Like, how do you subtly remove infinity stones from the infinity gauntlet not real sure about that we'll probably never know probably because the writers couldn't come up with the way that they actually did it so they're just like ah make it happen off camera but whatever it was a it cool was nanotech thing. dude it was yeah, it was nano he had his own glove the nanotechs you know it it just one it was nanotech transference the magical nanotech it can do anything all right what's next from Sam Fisher, I can see I can see Steven Yun playing either a villain or a liaison agent like Randall Park's character yeah, look, I, I kind of like that because although then you're getting the thing is why is all the liaison agents all Asian? I'm not sure. But I I don't think he has to be another superpowered being. Like one of my Randall Park is becoming one of my favorite guys in the MCU, actually. But I don't know. It's gonna be interesting. Rob is probably right. He's probably gonna be one of the villains. But because that would be kind of juicy for him. But I would love it if he was just like a, a guy next door. I think that would be cool. <laughs> all right, what's next? From Dominic Suma. My hope and prediction is that somehow Steve Rogers' Captain America is leading the Avengers again by the end of Kang Dynasty and into Secret Wars. I think there's a very high probability that Chris Evans is in either Kang Dynasty or Secret For Wars. Sure. First of all, Chris Evans is Captain America is not dead. He's just old. I mean, so so. And on the moon, apparently, he's got one bun on the grave. Yeah, I mean, well, it, it's just it, I would like to see him come back as an elder statesman or something, and, and he can something can happen. Something. I mean, he's not dead. Bring him back. Where's old man Steve? I'm telling you, they're both going to be back. Of course. One way they they'll do it. It's either multiverse or time circles yeah, yeah. or probability variation. They'll come up with some gobbledygook to say, well, here's back. At the end of the day, they're just going to be back. I agree. Now, whether long term or just for a bit thing, that that's completely up for discussion. But I think they're going to be back. And there can be you could have old man Steve and a different iteration of Captain America interacting. Because yeah. old man Steve represents the life that Captain America never had, but Ooh, did have. That could be really fun. I know. All right, what's next? From Taki75, Loveness confirmed Namor will be in Kang Dynasty. Everyone's going to be in Kang Dynasty. It's true. I mean, you read that storyline, it's huge. It's gigantic. Yeah. They don't have enough heroes to even do with anything close to what they did in the comic. Like, at this point, we we don't need to hear 
So-and-so confirmed Shang-Chi will be in the new Avengers movies. So-and-so said Ant-Man will be in the new Avengers movies. So-and-so, no, like, these are going to be the Avengers movies. I think we should, the news is going to be if somebody says someone won't be in. Right. Because really, we should just assume that every character in the MCU is going to be in those movies. That should just be our assumption. All right, what's next? The fault is in our Death Stars, one of two. If John's choice of KJ Apa's Flash becomes reality, then I'd be hyped to see Iris West let her boyfriend smash her poisonous metahuman bestie when Barry <laughs> shows off his golden boots and golden abs. <laughs> For those of you who don't know what he's talking about. There's so much going on. Yeah, in Riverdale, which KJ Apa stars in, there there is an episode where I guess they develop superpowers. They develop superpowers. Veronica is a Black Widow type where she's poisonous, and if you have sex with her, you will die. But Archie is invincible. So Betty, being a wonderful friend, is like, Veronica, get you some. Smash, smash. But watches. You can smash my boyfriend because mm -hmm. you can't kill him. So and that's what you missed on Riverdale. sister's got to get some. So, you know, that does make uh, Betty a, a very understanding. That's a good friend. Very understanding friend. That's a, a very, woman. very good friend there. All right, what's next? From Jeremiah Miller, can't be a crew. How is Disney Plus keeping subscribers? Apart from rewatching Marvel and Star Wars content, there hasn't been anything new worth watching. When is the new content coming? Always new kids. Well, let's see. March 1st. Here's the thing, though. The thing about Disney Plus is, and I am chief among people who is frustrated at their lack of premium content, but we have always known from day one the main attraction for families who are the main subscribers is the library. That the fact that I can open up Disney plus and I can play little mermaid or I can open up Disney plus and I can play Aladdin or I can open up Disney plus and I can play the original Lion King or whatever. I mean, the that fact darn that, cat or that <laughs> darn cat. It is still for families, the best library of content streaming service out there. And then on top of that, you have your whole MCU and you have your whole Star Wars universe and you have all that kind of stuff. So, and listen, the reason they sell subscribers is the reason most gyms are still in business. People sign up and they just forget, never get around to unsubscribing to it. So that's uh, that uh, hurts them too. But at some point, they need to get a little bit more consistent with their... And I'm not saying they need to have a new... Pre they don't need to have 15 premium content shows every year. I'm not saying that. But they're going to have to pick up the pace a little bit, I think. I think so, too. All right, what's next? From Chris Miner. Still early to call, but who ends up being the successor at the end? I'm rooting for Greg, but I feel like it'll be Kendall or Shiv. Every character has a legitimate shot, which is fun. Oh, we're talking about succession. succession. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be... Um, uh, Strong's character. And now they could pull a total curveball and make it um, Ferris Bueller's best friend. Um, what's that actor's oh, name? Oh, gosh. Let my Cameron. The guy who plays the oldest brother in succession. But I mean, he's been the outsider the whole time and he's an idiot, but they could pull a total curveball. Other than that, I think it's going to be uh, Strong's character. I don't know. Who do you think it's Alan gonna Ruck be? is his name. Yeah. Alan Ruck. So, he's yeah. So the, nice. And he was a captain. In Star Trek. John Harriman. That, see, I knew of you Of the Enterprise B. Of course you knew. Um, but I don't know. So who's going to be, the, who's going to end up being the successor? Cousin Greg is a wild pick. I love that. I think that's fun. I, I would say Shiv. Kendall makes sense narratively, though. I think that. Kendall's going to die. Ooh. Wow. And, that, and, 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 and it, Logan Roy is going to see what he has wrought. 
and he's going to be left in charge, but he's lost his What an family. intense ending, R&B. And, yeah, and the death of, of Kendall is going to cause all of his kids to leave. Ooh. Damn. That's dark. I know, man. I would watch that finale, though. Sure. All right. What's next? <laughs> From Matt Boyle. So I watched Den of Thieves for the first time, and I loved it. I think it's Gerard Butler's best performance. Is that the one with 50 Cent? I don't I know what this movie think is it at is. all. The criminal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I, I didn't mind Den of Thieves. I, I, I didn't. Did, I want to love it more. It had a very odd turn in it that didn't quite feel right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it. I look, I thought I heard they greenlit a sequel a while ago, but then I never saw anything come out of it. Maybe they thought better because nobody went to go see it when it came out. But I, I definitely do not agree that it was Gerard Butler's best performance. I don't think by a long shot, but um, it it had so much potential, it had a lot of potential. All right. What's next from Jay? Hi, John. I know you went. Oh, no. When Kevin announced the multiverse saga. Yep. But what if it was the only way to get X-Men, Fantastic Four and a new T'Challa in the MCU narratively? It's not there. You live. You're, you're the writers. You can come up with any bullshit thing you want. Uh, the, the multiverse is not like there's a lot of different ways you could do it. By the way, none of them are good. I have still to this day not thought of one good way to bring in the X-Men and explain their absolute absence from the universe up to this point without doing away with all the foundational mythology of what makes X-Men the X-Men. Um, so there's no real right way to do it, but they, they're the creators. They can come up with anything they want. They literally could say, we just uncovered this ancient Egyptian blue pig. And when we squeal it, it makes a portal open up and the th they could do whatever they want. So there's That no. would be good, John. And you don't base two phases of your cinematic universe with 20 to 30 projects just so you can bring in the x-men like that that would be really inefficient and really really foolish i don't think that's what he did now he may very well end up leveraging multiverse to bring in x-men but i don't think that's how they're going to bring in fantastic four but they could do that but it, he certainly didn't do this for phases four and five and six just to have an avenue to bring in the X-Men because they could have come up with any kind of uh, any kind of schism they wanted to to do that. I agree. All right, what's next? From K Major, if you had your choice to move anyone, DC or Marvel character, to the opposite universe, who would you move? <sighs> Does it matter? Um... It'd be fun to move this version of Moon Knight to Matt Reeves' Batman <laughs> and just have them interact. That's cool. True, but there's so you don't much. Need to. There's so much supernatural and mythology, and yeah, Khonshu, the ghost running around. And... But is there? What if it's all in his mind? What if it's all in his? I head? think Stilt Man would really thrive in the DC universe. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, yeah, honestly, I can't think of anybody. Yeah, I mean, it's kind. Of, I, it's too hard for me to even imagine because I've in the it's two universes are separated in my mind. Yeah. All right. What's next? From Carlos Sosa, I hope we see symbiote Spider-Man storyline in Secret Wars. Don't count on it. Yeah, I I would not count on that at all. Um, I still it it appears that there is still very much a line separating the Sony verse and the MCU where they can snuggle up to the line and dip a toe over the side onto the other side, but they have clearly kind of avoided the a full immersion sort of thing. And with 
now with Tom Hardy confirming just the other day that they're in pre-production now on Venom 3, I, I don't think... He, now, listen, nothing is impossible. I'm not saying they can't do it. I, I'm just saying right now, I I wouldn't put any money on believing that we were going to get like something significant Venom-wise in, uh, in the Avengers movies. I don't know, Rob, do you think there's a possibility they could? I doubt it. But when it comes to things like Secret Wars, I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, I mean, because because really anything can be on the table. Yeah, it's just a matter of what Sony yeah, and we'll Marvel can agree on. Do, yeah. yeah. All right. What's next? From release the breakdancing cut. Yeah. <laughs> Hear me out. Magic Mike Four, starring Rob, written by Ray and directed by Jonathan. Billion dollar film. I don't think I could work out hard enough to be in a movie like that as a male stripper. Who I don't. Says it, you have to like. Why yeah, are you so Rob, limiting on body Because it is magic. I, I, I would be body shamed. You just got to trust I would body shame myself. Dude, you got to trust your... Hair. Rob, you got to trust your director. <laughs> you got to trust your director. Listen, you're a glorious silver bear and people like it. Okay? Uh, I would rather be a silver fox. Be lean, mean, ready to party. You are ready to party. We'll get. Well, you're ready to party. We'll get you on a regimen of exercise and diet and you'll be fit. I'm working on the script right now. <laughs> we'll send it right. to you. What is next? <laughs> From Jay, that Tetris show looks amazing. I would like to see more shows and movies like this. Maybe the making of Nintendo or the Super Soaker. I mean, look, if the, if if in real life there was a really interesting story behind it, because listen, you say we're making a show based on Tetris. Okay, that sounds really stupid. And it wasn't until I saw the trail, I'm like, wait a minute, is any of that real? And then I looked up some of it's like, actually, yeah, a lot of that, a number of the elements that are real. If you have something that has a really compelling, interesting background, it's one of the things I compare it to the social network. Like everybody knows Facebook, but it wasn't until the social network came out that we realized how much actually twisted and weird drama went on behind the scenes for Facebook to become what it is. Tetris there, if something else like the Super Soaker had a story like that behind it, I'd, I'd be all for it. I, 100%. I, I, the Social Network is one of the most compulsively rewatchable movies I've ever seen. You know what's really interesting about that? If you go back and you look at the poster, it says you don't get to 500 million friends or something. Without making some without enemies. Without making some enemies. 500 million? Look where we're at now. Oh, yeah. I and mean, by the way, Air is another movie that kind of falls in the veins. Like, yeah. we all know the Air Jordan sneaker. Okay. But, you know, there was a whole drama that went on behind that coming to be. Like, I love stories like that. Me too. That. Whether it's Tucker, A Man in His Dream with that car. Yeah. And I, I love stories like that. Or even the Greg Kinnear had one about the guy who created the windshield wiper. Right. right. And I'm not, I'm not joking. There really it's is. A flash uh, of genius or something yeah, like that? Something yeah, something like that. When you can take these things that we all just know and take for granted and tell us that there was a really interesting story behind it coming to be, I think we all find that very interesting because we all connect with it, right? Yeah. Like we all had Air Jordans. We all have windshield wipers. We all have used Facebook. And, and they're still creating that uh, Flaming Hot Cheetos movie, Oh, right? that's right. I forgot about that. I the guy, think, uh, the, and the, the Pop-Tarts movie. The guy who worked in the Cheetos factory, like just a low-level worker in the Cheetos factory, was the one who came up with Flaming Hot Cheetos. Yeah, he and would they're bring making in a like, movie about it. Yeah, he would bring in like uh, packets of his yeah. own mix. Pop-Tart might be out, though, now. Oh, yeah. Pop yeah that might not be happening. Yeah, too bad. Give me a making of Shaq Fu. That's what I want. All right, what's next? From Jeff Hurst. John, Rob, how can you defend Aquaman and be disappointed in Quantumania? A lot of the complaints you have about Aquaman, um, Ant-Man Quantumania, you could say about Aquaman. No. No, it all depends on your interpretation. Like, look, here, here, this is where it gets interesting. Just because you thought something was a weakness in one film does not mean we will agree or that your friends will agree or somebody else will agree. Like, you might have seen something in Aquaman 
that you saw as a weakness and the rest of us didn't see it as a weakness or so, some of us didn't see it as a weakness too. So you can't go, well, like this is what really frustrates me. I get people who write to me a lot and say, John, you're such a hypocrite, which by the way, if you want to tell how somebody's not educated, people who do not understand how to use the word hypocrite or what hypocrite actually means. <laughs> but you'll inevitably get people who write and say, you're a hypocrite. You say you like this movie, but it's worse than this other one. Then you say you like it. It's like, no, you just think the other one was worse. Or you, and that's the thing, all film is subjective. We, we approach it, it hits us all in different ways. And maybe you think some of the problems with quantum mania were, were also problems in Aquaman, but I don't agree. I, at least in, on some of them, I don't agree. Well, also when you're talking about these two franchises, and this is gonna get a little weird, the character of Aquaman is from the undersea kingdom of Atlantis. And everything that goes along with that, we can talk to fish, we can breathe underwater, we have all this underwater technology. That has already been established. The thing about the first two Ant-Man movies, is even though we'd seen the quantum realm, they were relatively set in the real world and the idea of Scott Lang uh, being able to shrink and everything that entails, that's that's your one big ask, the shrinking. In Quantum Mania, all of the reality that made the Ant-Man movies so enjoyable in the first place, like making a Hello Kitty toy big during a chase scene through the streets of San Francisco, you're still in the streets of San Francisco and you're just using that... When you go into quantum mania, all of the real world is no longer there. So what was grounding the Ant-Man franchise was, to me, the real world itself. And you had people like Lewis making those funny, you know, the, it would tell a story in a certain yeah. way. In quantum mania, all of that part of the, the character and those movies was taken away. And all you have is this crazy quantum realm that was never really a part of the Ant-Man story in the first two movies, whereas Aquaman is designed to be wacky. But it's also, there is a direct connection because all this is happening in Aquaman in our oceans. Like you can be on both, this is what's happening. On, and when things were happening down there, there was direct repercussions about our real world, about the actual shoreline. It ends with like these floodings and things like <laughs> yeah. that happen, right? It's it's all, so it, I listen, I'm not saying you're wrong for looking at it as the same because that was that's how it hit you. It struck you that the weakness there was the same as the weakness there. And that's great. That was your perception of it. My perception was very, very different than yours. So yeah, it's just that simple. All right, what's next? From Sumi, I've been watching Shrinking and the most recent episode had Harrison Ford popping edibles, comedy gold. Oh, I'm so excited to watch it today. Have you guys been watching Shrinking? No, Anne's no. been watching it, and so she convinced me that that's going to become a show. But I still have to get the find it's the time to jump on board and start fabulous. watching it with her. I think about? you're really going to like it. It is about um, this, so several therapists, notably um, Jason, Jason Segal and, and Harrison Ford. Um, and he lost his wife. His wife passed away. And it's about him kind of dealing with that, moving uh, through his okay. grief, getting more involved with his patients' lives, trying to connect with his daughter. Harrison Ford is his mentor. Um, it's really, really well done. It tackles grief really well. It's so, so funny too. Michael Urie's in it, who is one of my favorite actors ever, and he's so great as the best friend. Um, oh, I love it so much. All right, what's next? From Donald A. To run with your Lord of the Rings sequel idea, I'd love to see a reclamation of Moria movie. Are, you, are, we, are we talking mo moving forward? Yeah, yeah, I think so. That would be kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Like uh, the the dwarves, the the remaining dwarves, like send a massive delegation to to Gondor to petition the king because then we kind of have a feel of um, 
there'll be a little bit of a feel of the Hobbit in there as well, but the, the dwarves approach Gondor seeking to take back their ancestral home and stuff like that, and this huge campaign mounted on that. That could be really interesting. I mean, you could do all kinds of things. You could make a political thriller about where, like, Sam and, and Aragorn have to have to somehow figure out a way. Like, what do you do with the goblin population? Yeah. Like, I mean, after, do they, do, I would assume they didn't all die. You know, once, do, do you allow them to become nice members of the community? Do you open the doors to the White City and go, you can live here? What do you do with that population of all those dwarves and Uruks and, you know, they're you not. hunt them down. I mean, but, but that would be an interesting yep. thing. What, what, and what happens if they become a political force? All right. What's next? From Jay. Uh, this was before I was into movie reviews, but why was Battlefield Earth so hated? What were your guys' feelings on the movie? It's a piece of garbage. Ooh, it's so bad. It's so bad. I, I it is one of the top three in my. I have the the unholy trinity, the three worst wide release Hollywood films of all time, being Catwoman, uh, Highlander Part Two, and Battlefield Earth. It it's, is. It's one of Forrest Whitaker's biggest regrets. Oh yeah, it's utter incompetent <laughs> garbage. That movie is horrible. It How? does have. I, I don't know why this is so funny, but there's one moment in the movie where it cuts to space, and it's got a planet, and it just says the planet Cyclo. And I don't know why, but every time I I own Battlefield Earth, um, Rob, every, I own it. Look, why? I read the book. I was a big fan of L. Ron Hubbard's <laughs> Golden Age science fiction. And when that book came out, I think it was '82. I went and bought it at the bookstore. You know, it's twelve hundred page book. Mm -hmm. I was really into it. That movie was one of the great disappointments. Of my life. Oh, yeah, I still remember. Uh, watching it, I was working at a visual effects company at the time, and a friend of ours was working on that movie. And I went to go see it in a movie theater in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. And when the movie ended and the screen went black, dead silence in the theater. Nobody moved. Because you know people start standing up, picking up their jacket. But when the credits started rolling, nobody in the theater moved. And about 10 seconds into the credits rolling, and it was dead silent in the theater, you just heard some guy near the front of the theater yell out, what the hell was that? And the whole theater erupted in laughter. Uh, it's just one of the worst things we've ever, ever, ever seen. It. Every single shot is cantered. Oh, it's so bad. All right, <laughs> like, what's next? From Vixter5001, watched my 4K The Batman disc last night. Looked stunning. Great extras, too. Thanks for getting me through another week. Um, <laughs> that disc is stunning. And you know what? It is a shame that that movie didn't get a Best Cinematography nod at the Oscars. I don't get it. By the way, uh, that reminds me, there's an interesting story out there that Netflix is going to put out a version of Glass Onion on Netflix with director commentary. So, and, and a couple of special features. Wow. Which is something we've all been saying. Like, even I, who am a digital streaming guy, the big weakness with digital streaming compared to the disc is having the bonus features, director's commentary. If Netflix can start getting into putting those online too, That's that would really be cool. very happy. When are they going to do that? I'm not sure. I, I got to read the story more in depth. All right, what's next? From Albert L., did you see the creators of Dark 1899 are developing Something is Killing the Children, one of the hottest comic book titles today for Netflix? I can't wait for that. this. I read this yesterday. Mm -hmm. I'm not familiar with this. Um, so Something is Killing the Children is a comic from Boom, it's Boom Studios. Yes. And they've been doing, like, they put out the comic that Two Guns was based on, the Denzel Washington, Mark Wahlberg thing. Ross Ritchie over at Boom Studios, he founded that company, and they have great creators and great comics. And the Dark Guys, you know, they canceled 1899. Yeah. So the fact that they Netflix made a re-up to deal with them to develop things, and they're going to make this comic, is really exciting. Nice. 
So I'm very excited for it. Congratulations to Ross and everybody over at Boom, too. All right, what's next? From Zach Larson, who wins? Uh, TLS, I don't know what TLS is, but Dark Phoenix Dark versus, Phoenix versus Scarlet Witch, uh, Multiverse of Madness. Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch, yeah. Yeah, I'd have to go with Scarlet Witch, too. Yeah. All right, what's next? Was it the last stand? Um, uh, Devin Lita? I noticed Boston Strangler is a Hulu exclusive. I understand 20th Century was under the mercy of a distributive arm, but I do miss seeing the studio in frequent theatrical releases. Dude, 20th Century Fox has my favorite logo, partly because of Star Wars. Every time I see it, it makes me happy. Now Every, it's just 20th Century. Now it's just, well, it's 20th Century Studios. Right, right. Which is what it used to be called when it was first founded. And the logo is still very similar. Very similar. And the and the, the fanfare, dude. Dun, 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 oh, it's dun, great. Dun, it's my favorite thing. It just it makes me sad that we don't see it enough in the theaters even. even. All right, what's next? From uh, Wicked Man, I rewatched Alexander Payne's film Election. It was fantastic. Ah. I love that movie. That movie is Election's so good. Great. It's so Election's fun. So really, good. really good. What? It, there's just when I first there's a scene in that movie where they cut to a character explaining what it's like to have relations with yeah. Tracy Flick, and it is one of the greatest, funniest cuts to anything. Because when you're watching the movie at first, you don't know it's coming if you don't know the story, right? And it's like it, it's so jarring and hilarious. That movie is so good. It's so good. It's a great adaptation of the novel, too. It's really good. All right. What's next? From uh, Sugar Reese Reviews. Hi, John. I've been watching since I was 14. Today is my 22nd birthday. Wow. wow. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday to you. I hope you have a great day and a great rest of your year. And what a fabulous way to end off today's mm -hmm. episode of the John Campia Show. Thank you guys so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Hey, big special thank you to all you guys, including you, birthday boy, for sending in those super <laughs> chats. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported our channel as you did it. Then all of us involved with the show, thank you guys so very much for your support. Guys, I hope you have a fabulous weekend ahead of you filled with relaxation and fun, whatever you guys need to recharge your batteries, getting you ready for another week next week filled with triumph and victory that lays ahead. Hey, guys, don't forget, a little bit later today, at what time are we going live at? Two, I think. Two o'clock. The newest edition of The Weekly Hero is rolling out. Make sure you come back and join Chris Carr and Robert Meyer Burnett for that. We hope to see you there. And, guys, that'll do it. So for everybody in the room, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett, back there, Ray Ora. <laughs> of course, we got Taylor Gonzalez, Jonathan Boyko running the show, and of course, Chris Carr. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.